Blog Talk Radio. Captain, how are you, sir? I'm very good. How are you, Joe? Good, very good. Looking forward to today's show. We have a very, very interesting show coming up, and we are going to lead off with our initial question between the two of us to talk about mm-hmm. for the next next ten minutes or so, and that is the concept of ethics in our hobby today. 2019, June 13th, the date of this recording. What did they used to say? Ripped from the headlines? It is is an issue. An issue. Yeah. Yeah, And it's a sad issue to our hobby. I mean, we've we've talked about a few of these on our our show. Uh, Resealed wax, uh, trimmed, colored, doctored cards just seems wherever there are hobby enthusiasts like you and I, there are bad guys looking to separate us from our money, betray us, our beloved hobby. And, you know, I go back many years. I go back many years when Graded Cards first came out. And mm-hmm. as we know, they have expanded 
into the hobby to almost being the, the, the only thing that the hobby really is concerned about today in 2019. Buying a graded set, getting a graded set uh, on your uh, Registry. I your tagline in the uh, in the collectors. Uh, I don't even know how to describe it. That you are the number one collector with the number one graded set of all time. Yep, of your XYZ yep. So on and so forth. And I said many years ago when they first came out. Hey, how do these people really become experts in grading? What is the criteria they use for grading? I'm going through my notes right now. And at the same time, what justifies the grade, since we've been pretty well serviced over the years with mint, near mint, excellent, very good, yep. good, fair, and poor. And again, being an One old-timer in the hobby, being an old-timer in the hobby, that's basically the way I've graded. Since grading, in theory, came into it, you know, came into effect the late seventies, early eighties, and Absolutely. you know, I appeal, so on and so forth. But why do I have to pay a thousand dollars more for a car just because it's in a encased in a slab of plastic and has a little sticker on it saying that it's a grade of eight, nine, eighty, ninety, whatever the case may be? Doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and it's always been uh, you. You and I have differed on that. I, I've I've always loved my graded cards uh, for protection, you know, authenticity. But uh, you know, about five six years ago, I kind of started moving away from graded cards and uh, you know the registry and started really getting into more esoteric collectibles and rare items. Uh, you know, thank you, Andy Becker and John Spano. Uh, you know, it, it, mm-hmm. yeah, and I'm using quotations when I say thank you. <laughs> so, uh, air quotes. <laughs> but it's uh, um, I, I'm I'm picking up what you're putting down because you know, if we are leaning, obviously we are leaning on our TPG, our third-party graders, to authenticate these, to give us their blessing that it is this grade, that these are authentic, that they've been unaltered, undoctored, and if. If uh, cards, if the if the card doctors are outpacing the third party graders, then then it, it betrays our trust. Uh, the entire pyramid that our hobby is built on, where you know this is graded X, uh, it, it starts to erode all of all of those confidences we have built up in our hobby. I mean, it really does. I mean, not even to, not even you know not even taking into play the amount of money it takes to grade these things. Uh, the amount of money people are paying for the difference between a nine and a 10. And when you begin to realize how subjective the difference between a nine and a 10 is, I mean, something can have a nine on one day and then, you know, and then, you know, the, uh, the greater, you know, gets laid the night before and suddenly it's a 10. So, I yep. mean, yep. I don't know. It, it, yeah. it, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, have you seen the video that PS that PSA put out, you know, some odd years ago that, you know, w- you know, told the story of how cards got graded and how they did it? Correct, correct. I did see it once, and you know, again, I wasn't overly impressed with the whole operation because I'm saying to myself, yeah, you got thousands, I mean, literally hundreds of thousands of cards you need to grade. You really didn't tell me that somebody spends that much time 
you know, trying to look at a grade of a card, especially if it's, let's say, a newer card or a common card, so on and so forth. And, again, how much time are you spending with, the, with let's say, a, uh, a 1935 Chico card of Newt Rocky yeah. or, or whoever? It, it, you know, it's just it's not making any sense to me. And, and as much as I got many hobbyists, many dealers have become exasperated with me trying to explain the concept, so on and so forth. And you know where I'm coming from. It, 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 I, I just say to myself, yeah. this is bogus. It, it's garbage. It really is garbage. And now, yeah. now, all these years later, after, you know, the umpteenth crisis in the hobby with graded cards, now to me, I think yep. it's, it's, it's really coming to a head right now because now you've really slighted some serious collect- collectors. It's actually been, you know, researched and it's actually been seen that this is a major, major, major beyond belief crisis. And as such, yeah. what's the solution? Oh, we're going to buy back the cards. Everything will be fine, and, and we'll take them out of circulation. Well, really? You're going to take them what out about, of circulation? What about the cards that nobody – what about the cards nobody investigated, nobody found? I mean, and just to refresh our viewers, this, this PSA video that came out showed that uh, graders – are armed with nothing but a halogen light, uh, uh, a, a halogen light, and I I think they have a loop. I mean, they don't have a black light. They don't have. I it, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't even think they had a loop. I think they're looking at it with the naked eye and a and a halogen light. Uh, yeah, uh, if I remember correctly. It's it's, uh, it's, it's ridiculous. And in the, it's and in the, so, and in the mean, mean, Meantime, the card doctors are armed with laser trimmers and uh, power erasing and, you know, recoloring and black lights. I mean, you know, to quote the untouchables, PSA is bringing a knife to a gunfight. I mean, they're just being outclassed and outgunned by these card doctors. It's no wonder. I mean, I've told this story a hundred times on on Gridiron. Uh, I stopped collecting my beloved 48 Leaf set because I just saw so many trimmed cards slipping by the goalie at PSA. It got to the point where right. it was devaluing my 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 untrimmed cards and my level of frustration just got to me. I, I stopped collecting. I stopped collecting that set. Uh, now, you know, in, in and high now, grade. I agree. I agree. Now, the, as anyone who knows me knows, the only graded cards I have in my collection are the uh, Mayos, which are SGC graded. I don't have any in PSA uh, slabs and SGC, in my opinion, is every which way as far as their grading is concerned. I got 20s that look like uh, 40s, and I got 20s that look like they should be, you know, negative numbers for crying out loud. And <laughs> it, you know, yeah. it, it, it really doesn't make a lot of sense to me how you could have this, you know, something as as this, which there are not that many of them graded. I don't see how you could be that far off in your grades. When you're when you're you know actually looking at this, and then I got a couple um, what they grade A as authentic, which means they somehow yeah. have been trimmed. But again, to me, I can't see them being trimmed. I think what what happened to them is that over the years they they just either wore, and or you know yeah. initially a hundred years ago a kid cut them or whatever, and that was it. So it it doesn't well, really make nice. a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I have a 1912 Thorpe postcard from the Stockholm Olympics that was graded in authentic because it was one of the only ones that had been graded. So they graded in authentic. 
you know, six years yep. later, the population's about 40 or 50. I cracked it out, sent it in, and it came back at PSA 4. So they, you know, yep. they're obviously, you know, evolving as time goes on. Uh, I, I don't know if you remember the Wee Wag, the When It Was a Game scare that was, what, 10 years ago? Right, uh, where right. Somebody was uh, opening up cards, opening up PSA cases, pulling out the PSA 8, putting in a slider PSA 6 or so, and then resealing it, and then taking that PSA yep. 8, resubmitting it, and then selling it. So they're doubling up. Uh, well, during that, the FBI got involved, and uh, the FBI got involved, and Joe, Joe Orlando, the old president of PSA, had to uh, be deposed. His deposition became yep. public obviously the federal case, I remember reading uh, in, in his deposition how PSA graded things. It was pretty interesting. Reza at the time was the head grader. I believe he still is at PSA. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, Orlando described the process as, you know, they have a, a software system that some cards, like if you send in an 88 tops common, one person looks at it. They spend less than 10 seconds looking at it. They assign a grade a numerical grade in the computer, and then they send it off to get slabbed and graded. One person. Uh, uh, if, and then there are some cards in their software that are deemed two people have to look at it. So that one person that looks at a card is called first base. If two people have to look at it, it's called second base. So there are cards that have to go to second base. Like let's say a, a more valuable card, like a, you know, a, a 77 top Steve Largent card comes in. Obviously, it's such a highly sought-after, highly valuable card that at least two <laughs> graders have to look at it. So if if, uh, if one grader determined, deems it to be an eight, and then it goes on to second base automatically, and if the other grader deems it an eight, it gets slapped automatically because their opinion is the same. If the other grader's opinion differs, if second base differs from first base, let's say he enters a nine, then it, the software automatically kicks it to third base, which is a, 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 another higher grader. If that grader looks at the same card and enters an eight or a nine, if he agrees with either first or second base, uh, whichever grade he agrees with, it gets slabbed. If he disagrees with either of those two, it goes to the head grader, which is Reza. Uh, mm-hmm. So in their software, there are cards that automatically have to be looked at by three graders, third base. And those are your higher-end cards, your PSA 10 Steve Largent rookie cards, your, your, you know, what should be your Chickles, your Nagurskis, your Tosis, your Wagners. You know, these mm-hmm. cards should be looked at by three people. And there are some cards that automatically go three bases, and there are some cards that don't. Uh, and so, if, you know, if a PSA 10 Steve Largent rookie card comes in, it automatically goes to thir- first base, second base, and then third base, Reza. Uh, if somebody comes in, if a, if a Bart Starr rookie card comes in and first and second base graded a nine, it automatically goes to third base for review just to make sure. Uh, mm-hmm. If a lot of these higher-end cards end up above a certain grade, it goes to third base automatically. And they're constantly altering the software to include things. I mean, uh, you know, what used to be very, very uncommon and rare of, you know, a a 57 tops, you know, John Unitas is now pretty common. I'm I'm sure it just has to hit second base. Uh, Now I'm sure a PSA 9 has to hit third base, you know. So, I mean, they're they're constantly Mm -hmm. evolving, but still you have three humans looking at something 
with subjectivity, with opinions. You know, if they had a bad day, if they're having a good day, uh, et, et cetera. I mean, it, it, it's still when that's how that's how it goes. No loops. Perhaps they have loops now. We've reached out to Joe. We've reached out to Steve, the current president of PSA, to come on the the show. Uh, and he's he's considering it, but you know, hopefully one of these days we get a representative from PSA or SGC on the show to talk about the process. Right, right. And, I, and to me, it, I think it needs to be explained much more clearly. Um, and at the same time, uh, I, I I really feel that there should be a little better process in the whole situation than than the ten second look at a card. Yeah. And even in, theoretically, if you're spending that much time on the older cards, how can you not see that they're trimmed? How can you not see that they've been covered? Yep. You're not spending enough time on it, you know? So um, it, it, it's something it, something that really needs to be addressed very, very quickly. Uh, and I really believe that uh, I really believe that the, it has to be addressed one way or the other, or we're not going to have, you know, in the long run, we're going to have plastic that is that is useless. It really is, you know, for, for lack of better, you know, lack of better terms. So it's it's going to be a very very problematic for the hobby. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I I really don't know. I I'm not happy with the situation. I think it's really, really, really uh, a, a not a good situation. It's really testing the limits of our hobby with regards to, you know, legitimacy, ethics, so on and so forth. And, you know, and and again, we're one of the few hobbies where you are trying to preserve history to a certain degree and you are trying to, you know, study history at the same time. But in reality, what do we have? You know, it's, it's, it seems, it seems like the, uh, you know, a, a sucker is born every day type of hobby more than anything yeah. else right now because you know, spend twenty five thousand dollars on a card and it's uh, worthless. You know, uh, it's it's just, yeah. it just blows my mind. It really blows my mind. Well, so I, I last week I had uh, dinner with Keith Weinhold. He used to be a high end collector. Oh, okay. And he yep. found out yep. things, some things were trimmed. Talked to Joe Orlando. Didn't hear what he wanted to hear. Sold every single card he owned. Uh, and we can all, the, our hobby can only take so many of those hits before our hobby stops existing, you know, is the sad reality. Did I lose you? Bob? I'm going to assume Bob accidentally disconnected while trying to bring Rich in. Joe, you still there? Yes, sir. Okay. Technical uh, issues. Uh, we're still... Okay. <laughs> all right. Anyways, um, we're you know we're now slabbing all sorts of other new things 
the ticket stubs. Did I lose you? But anyways, going going on and, and um, going on with regards to the grading issue and the problems that it's presenting within our hobby, uh, it's just not a good situation in any way, shape, or form. It is a problem. It's a problem. Uh, we're still waiting for our guests to come on. Oh. Uh, I'm hoping uh, we get them on in a few minutes. Uh, while we're waiting, we'll continue to talk about a few other things here. Yeah. Uh, no, it's off script. No, I mean, I, I was, was going to say it's, you know, I mean, there are people, I mean, think about it. If you're a, a young, a young person in a hobby or somebody who works their, their butt off to save up for a, for a card that's your childhood idol and you buy it, you know, you know, if you spend a thousand dollars, you know, on a, Steve Largent, you know, well, you know, you know, you know what I mean. If you spend a thousand dollars on a yeah, yeah, star yeah. rookie yeah. card, and and then all of a sudden discover it's right in the middle of a list of cards that are uh, is a submission from a notorious card doctor, where forty percent of the cards submitted were rejected for you know for for trimmed. You, you, that's you know how can I turn the other cheek when it's already bloody bruised and torn? I mean. If, if you get a, a, a gut punch like that, is you know, it, you know, when you're a youngster, you know, in, in our hobby, it, it might be enough to you know move you away from the hobby. I mean, sadly. exactly, exactly, and I and I think that's that's the real risk of what's going on, where the you know what I think is being missed by a lot of people, you are presenting an issue, which because it's not being resolved. And because it's it's basically being, I, I, you know, for lack of a better term, being ignored, I really believe that, you know, it, it, it's it's a long-term issue, to say the least. All right. I believe our guest is here, and I'd like to introduce him to our audience. He is the editor and founder of Sports Collectors Daily, a broadcaster and writer for more than 30 years, and a collector for even longer than that. He's usually typing something somewhere, and I'd like to welcome to our show this evening, Mr. Rich Mueller. Rich, welcome to the show. Hey, glad to be with you guys. Sorry I'm a little late. Got caught up here in uh, something, but uh, hopefully a little late is better than never. I appreciate you being here. We were just talking about you, Rich. (laughs) (laughs) My ears were burning. Exactly. No worries. I, I appreciate taking, you taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with us. Um, and I want to lead off my uh, question. First question with you today is, tell us about Sports Collectors Daily. When did you start it? Why all the different backgrounds on it for it? Sure. Um, well, later this month will be the site's 13th anniversary. Um, as you kind of mentioned there, I was a, a sports anchor and reporter for local TV stations for over 20 years, but I was always involved in the hobby one way or another, usually as a collector. And I just kind of felt that there was 
enough going on that a daily news-oriented type website might be worth trying. I didn't have any grandiose plans, but I saw that uh, online was kind of really the future of publishing, and the existing franchises weren't doing a very good job of making that transition over to the uh, digital side. And so websites, you know, it just kind of seemed like we're an afterthought for them, and uh, you know, sometimes the news you'd see would be several weeks old by the time they put it online. And with my background as uh, somebody yeah. that worked in news, I just thought I could kind of maybe bring a different element, even if it wasn't a full-time venture. So I started writing and was pretty faithful about it, uh, to, true to the name. Uh, we wanted to make sure it was a daily site and uh, wrote about a lot of different things. Um, a lot of what was published early on was kind of minimalistic, almost notes and nuggets and little opinion pieces, but eventually it kind of kicked up to what it is now. It kind of took a couple of years to really get noticed, but then uh, got some advertisers on board, which attracted some others. Content got a little better and deeper, and we're still here 13 years later writing about uh, anything and everything, I guess, in the in the hobby. Wow. Wow. I got to well, say. You're, you're, you're certainly. Gotta, uh, go ahead, Bob. I got to say this, I, I thoroughly enjoy looking at your website and reading the different articles. And I, I personally, I personally enjoy all the hobby articles as far as collectors and so on and so forth. And I am, a, I am amazed at uh, what I like to refer to as the police blotter, because you, you inevitably <laughs> find somebody who's done something bad in the hobby and they've been arrested, so on and so forth. So uh, I'm always on my, on the lookout for that kind of stuff, but you do a great job. Uh, you do a great, great job for the hobby, informing us of all the different uh, issues, good and bad. Uh, that's going on yeah, that's, that's just it. Yeah. Thank Thank you for that. Yeah. It's, it's uh it is a, it is a mix of everything. I mean, it's, you know, it, it it's uh, features about uh, young collectors and, and guys that have been chasing things for years and fines and things like that. But there's also obviously uh, fraud and things that we have to write about. And it's, uh, you know, unfortunately it's, it's happened on a regular basis at times. Uh, we've kind of gone through a period recently where there hasn't been a lot of that kind of stuff, but uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, it attracts everybody, you know, it's, it's a hobby with a lot uh, of fun elements, but also, you know, the money involved kind of tends to sometimes attract people that don't have the best intentions. I got to say, Rich, you're quite eloquent for an online blogger. Uh, I'm impressed. So, <laughs> comes with that broadcasting background, I guess. You know, I had plenty of practice. I traveled yeah. every night for uh, three minutes for about 25 years, so it kind of kind of stuck with me, I guess. I like it. Well, uh, and and uh, and uh, to reiterate what Bob said, I mean, I, I always have a, a tremendous amount of respect for you know, like what you and Bob do. We're just uh, you're carrying the hobby along and just informing the rest of us. I don't have the time or the bandwidth uh, to dig in you know, some of the issues that, that you gentlemen cover. So I always just appreciate the people who are keeping the rest of us enlightened. Uh, before you came on, I mean, you know, we were emailing back and forth about, you know, this latest, you know, cancer that's hitting our, our beloved hobby. I mean, uh, grading altered cards, in, in your opinion, uh, what, what can be done to stop this? Well, you know, it's I, I go back probably over 40 years as a collector, and, and you know, okay. this type of thing has been happening as long as I've been in it. The difference now is that if someone altered a card in the 1970s or 80s, they made a few bucks, somebody got mad, yeah. somebody took the, took the card back to the dealer, hopefully, and, and uh, got his money back and you know there was maybe something mentioned in between collectors who just chatted on the phone and whatever but now 
the hobby has grown to the point where those alterations obviously have a much bigger impact in terms of the amount of money that's that's spent on cards. Um, you know, it's Absolutely. instead of a two or three dollar or five dollar or ten dollar increase, you know, we're talking hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars on certain cards, and so that's become a, you know, why it's such a big deal. And obviously, people can talk about it more because we have so many more. Uh, instant means of communication, whether it's online forums, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, so it's it, it's a it's a bigger deal. And I'm not minimizing by any stretch, but it's it's something that's been in the hobby for a long time. Maybe not quite to this scale um, that we may be seeing here, but it's it's kind of an old problem rearing its ugly head again. And unfortunately, yeah. because of the the money involved, it's uh, it's become a, yeah. a an, issue, an issue that's probably probably in the law enforcement realm at this point. Yeah, you're probably right. Bob and I obviously you know focus a lot more on the football. Well, probably about six months ago, a uh, 1935 Chickle Bull Tosi in a PSA came to auction, and it it gets a lot of attention because it's the fifth you know, bold toasty in that grade and the first one to appear since since I've been collecting. And uh it sold for about fifty one thousand dollars, what was it, Bob? Right in there? Yeah. Yeah, called Yeah. About fifty one thousand dollars. Uh well about two months later somebody you know uh, you know went through and checked, you know, you know, continuous certification numbers, you know, around you know, around cards that looked to be trimmed. And lo and behold this bull toasty was right smack in the middle of a hundred card submission where about 40% of the cards were rejected for being trimmed and the rest of them were getting PSA eights and nines. Uh, so, I mean, pretty obvious somebody got a hold of this card and card looked okay to me, you know, online. And I'm like, man, I wouldn't spend that kind of money without holding it in my hand, uh, you know, but after seeing it buried in a submission with that kind of rejection, I'm like, okay, I'm pretty damn sure this this came under the uh, under the knife of a card doctor, and you know, to get it in that grade. Yeah, the 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 natural reaction whenever you see a high grade vintage card, and by vintage I'm talking 60, 70, 80 year old cards, is that we all know that not many of them survived for obvious reasons <laughs> in good shape. So there's a natural skepticism there. I don't think you can say you know every card that's high grade is is bad uh we all know that too but yeah the the unfortunate thing that that i think is going to you know and when we're seeing this more now just in the last couple of days how some of these issues that didn't necessarily have a size consistency like 53 parkhurst hockey or uh the leaf football from the late 40s those Absolutely. are targets for the trimmers, because you know it, it's it's a little easier to trim off a little bit if the card consistency isn't there in terms of the size. So, and they know that. You know, the guys who are doctoring these cards have figured that out. And you know, there is a variance from the grading companies. You know, what what is okay, and and they know what that is. And if they're trimming off one sixty fourth of an edge, it's probably going to get through. Um, and that's unfortunate. You know, hopefully there's some kind of technology or something that we can. Uh, rely on in the future to, to to catch some of that, but I don't know. You know, it, it it's it's difficult when the graders are trying to do their job and and you hope they're doing it the right way, um, and and yet you know there's there's still some leeway, some wiggle room in there in terms of of what can be done to a card to catch it. So I you know it's the the, the card doctors are getting better obviously in in what they do and 
you know, we've seen, you know, the coloring of cards that, you know, it used to be automatic. Well, you know, you get a 1971 tops back and it's, it's rejected for being colored. Uh, somebody colored the borders with a magic marker. You know, it's happened yep. to me. You know, you don't catch it. You know, you go through a stack of cards at a show, and wow, this looks nice. And you send it in, and it comes back. It was colored. So you get out your loop or your magnifier, and you look at it. Oh, yep, there it is. You know, and and so that's obviously something that's done by an amateur. But if you got somebody who's made a practice of this, uh, you know, altering cards for years and years, you know, they've obviously through trial and error figured out what works and what doesn't. And so that's kind of oh, yeah. what we're seeing, I think, in a lot of ways is is uh, every little loophole, every little uh, question mark about, you know, how can I get this through is is answered. And then you see the uh, the results when you get somebody that's able to check some of those identifying marks that are on the back, you know, that, that uh, ensure us all that it's not two different cards, it's the yep. same card. And it seems like the card doctors are ahead of the graders in technology. I mean, with power erasing, you know, recoloring, I mean, you know, resealing uh, Xerox copies, you know, printing off their own flips. Uh, you know, it's just, man, I mean, you, you know, left and right, you know, these fraudsters are coming at us. I mean, in, in so many different ways. Yeah, it's a, it's a constant battle. I know, um, you know, nobody really, you know, has really good access to what happens behind those curtains at the greater grading companies. But, uh, you know, it's, it's something they're constantly worried about. You know, a, a few years ago, there was an issue with, uh, like you mentioned, you know, some of the, the things that were coming out of Mexico and, and the people that were doing this were actually coming up with their own holders and mimicking what the grading companies were doing. So, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to take shots at the grading company and we, and we don't know, you know, exactly what's going on here. Um, and maybe they are at fault for, for much of this. We just don't know exactly what's happened yet. But um, we also should understand that, you know, it, <laughs> the, like you mentioned, the, the people that are doing this stuff are getting better and better. And, and it takes everybody being on their game to, to stop it. And sometimes it's just, yeah. you know, the, the regulations are there in, in terms of what they're accepting and not accepting. And uh, sometimes it, it still doesn't, doesn't work because they're able to get through that. And, you, know, you, you, brought, you brought up a good point, Rich. There are many high-grade cards that are graded that are legitimately high-grade cards. And at the same time, and uh, what burns all of us is how, how many are actually bad, we really don't know. And, you know, what can be done in the future to, to try to prevent this stuff? Again, you know, the, that's the great debate right now. You know, what can be done to actually resolve the issue? And it just seems to be, yeah. to me, being being an old collector and having, you know, very few graded cards in my collection and my run, I, I I don't know what the attraction other than money becomes buying a card graded and keeping it in plastic, nor do I know what the attraction is. For example, putting together a large football set and have it completely graded. You know, I, you know, the storage of it, on top of everything, you know, it takes up a lot of space, yeah. yada, yada, yada. Yeah. I, I don't, yeah. I just don't understand the logic, but that's me. I mean, uh, I'm a dinosaur in the hobby. I, I've been, you know, for years. So it, it really doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't impact this issue other than I feel very bad for our hobby because it's, it's really going to have an impact on it one way or the other. So that leads me to ask you in, in your opinion, you know, I'll just throw it out. 
what do you think, or is there some sort of way that this can be stopped in the future, if at all? Or do we have to, well, do you think it's going to be an inevitable? Yeah, some of it, it's it's possible we may not be able to until after the fact. But, I, you know, I, I would suspect that you'll maybe see some technology come into play, um, especially with the attention that, that this is getting. And I just spoke with a, a major national media outlet today um, for a story that they're producing on this. Um, can't say any more than that right more, now, but it's it's definitely more, going to get more some major, more attention. More major yeah. than Gridiron Greats, Rich. <laughs> yeah, it's a name I guarantee you've heard of. But, um, you know, it, the doctors are getting really good, obviously, as we talked about, um, very wise to those parameters. If the technology can come in, maybe that can prevent some more of this from happening. Um, but I think, yeah. you know, the one thing that has to be done is we have to make people who are found to have an involvement in this feel unwelcome. Um, you know, hopefully if there is a serious effort underway by law enforcement, that'll serve as a deterrent. Um, prison time tends to do that to people who otherwise are living a normal <laughs> life because it's not pleasant. We chronicled that a couple of years ago when, when Bill Mastro oh, yeah. went to yeah. prison, what, what the day is like in prison, and it's not fun. Even if you're, oh, yeah. even if you're supposedly a white-collar criminal, um, it's, it's not enjoyable. So hopefully that's a deterrent. Um, yeah, it's kind of a long way off at this point, but we'll see what happens. It's going to be a long process, though, I think. You know, it, people, people want this thing to be – uh, over with, and they want people who are involved to be uh, strung up by their toenails immediately, and and that's just not the way it works. You know, it's it's going to be a long. I, I suspect anyway, it's going to be. We may see, you know, we may see an indictment. It's possible that somebody gets indicted, but even that, um, as we've seen before, uh, things happen to change what a person is charged with. Additional charges come in cases reopen or the cases extended and it can yep. drag on and on and and once an indictment is made and questions continue to be asked that tends to happen so i would not expect this thing to wrap up quickly i think we're going to be dealing with this for a long time and in terms of you know how to stop it you know just more vigilance i would strongly suggest that people who are really avid collectors of graded cards get a subscription to worth point online and and every time they want yep. to buy a card that's of any significant value, try and look on there and see if you can find one. And, and don't be afraid to ask questions. Go into a forum and where there are other collectors just like you that, that hang out, whether they're vintage football collectors or hockey or basketball, whatever, um, you know, and, and ask questions. Hey, what do you guys think about this card? And, and uh, you know, it's, it's better to lose a card because you wasted a little time or not wasted a little time, but you took a little time. Uh, than it is to buy something and get it and then say, oh, my gosh, why did I buy this? Now I just found out somebody told me or showed me that it's it's been trimmed or it's been colored or whatever. You know, it's uh, I'd rather own a, you know, a car that's a little bit lower grade and know that it's good than own something that's high grade and wonder or have some knowledge that maybe it's not good. Yeah, yeah it's a, well, that's I get the feeling we'll see. Yeah. Oh, Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Bob. Oh, I get the no, feeling we'll see Bill Mastro again someday. Someday, you know, he'll show up as a consignment director for someone. He'll, uh, he'll get out of prison. He'll be all jacked up, you know, from pumping iron. Uh, have, have some cornrows. He'll well, he's his he's, name he's out already. So he's, he's, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. He'll found Islam, so he'll change his name. I mean, he'll you know, you know, he'll we'll, we'll see a different, you know, renewed. Bill Master, I think, but no, we 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 tell our, our our friends all the time. I mean, 
you know, we, we use the old Joe Orlando shtick as a, you know, it's a punching bag, you know, never get cheated. And, you know, along those lines, it's, you know, educate yourself, know what a trimmed card looks like. But I mean, think about how many people are out there buying cards, collecting who don't have, who, who have no idea there are chat rooms available, you know, where you can bounce ideas off people. They're, they're buying stuff in a vacuum. Like, oh my gosh, PSA 848 Leaf, you know, Bulldog Turner. That's amazing. You know, and, and the rest of us look at it and go, oh my God, that's, that's that same trimmed piece of garbage that's making the rounds. You know? Well, the thing you always have to remember is that for most people, it's a hobby. It's a way to get away from yeah. the stresses of your job or your life, and yeah, yeah. you spend two hours. And the last thing you want to do is worry about a criminal who's done something to your card or faked a piece of memorabilia. You know, you just want to relax and escape and get into that mode where nothing else matters but putting your set together or, or finding a card that you need. Uh, to complete a, a player collection or whatever, um, not to not to minimize it again, but it's just you know that's that's part of the problem with with this is that you know some of the card doctors and fraudsters in the industry understand that that's the attitude of a lot of people, and so they know that that yeah. that uh, effort maybe isn't always there, and people aren't always paying attention, and and so they're able to slip things uh, things slip things through that uh, that shouldn't be so. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's turned, it, it, you know, it's, it's hard to, to read about it. It's hard to write about it because it's, it's not fun. You know, yep. we're all collectors and we hate to see those things happen, but at the same time, it's just, uh, you know, we, you know, as long as we, uh, you know, kind of share those ideas online and, and everybody can, uh, yep. kind of do the best they can to spread the word around, then hopefully, you know, more, the more people that understand it, the more people that read it, the more people that, yeah. Um, you know, discover what it's about, then maybe the better off will be and the less opportunity there'll be for yeah. things like that to happen going forward. And, and we've all been in the hobby long enough. We've seen waves of these, you know, outrage come along where people have grabbed, you know, pitchforks and torches and, you know, stormed the castle. Uh, this one seems different. I don't know what it is, but this one, the, the outrage is just built where people are like, you know what, I'm pissed. I mean, you know, and, and you've got people like PSA and, you know, who are hunkering down, uh, PWCC, you know, you just, I don't know. It just, it seems different this time, you know, this go around. Well, I think, you know, in, in the past, it's been a lot of isolated things involving memorabilia that maybe not as many people are all that interested in and, and, you know, shill bidding, obviously people, you know, were, were very upset when those allegations came through and, and, uh, you know, because there were some people that got taken advantage of, but, you know, you, you're right in that. I think it wasn't as widespread. Certainly people were affected. Um, multiple people that wound up paying more for an item that they, sh- than they should have. Um, but this, this tends to affect more people because, uh, you know, you're talking about a lot of different types of sets. We've seen vintage, we've seen T206 cards that are part of this. Supposedly we've seen uh, 1940s leaf, We've seen 1950s hockey. We've seen modern cards, uh, high, yeah. high-end rookie cards, autographed rookie cards. So it just cuts across such a wide spectrum of the hobby that I think you do have a lot of, of people that are more interested in this because, you know, it's potentially they've bought a card that, that isn't real or they've dealt with a company that may be involved or maybe they've run across one of these people at a, at a show or online where, who's accused of, of, of doing this, at least accused by the online community. No, nobody's been charged yet. But, 
Um, it's yeah. I think it's just it's 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 affecting a wider span of people. Um, and even if you don't collect graded cards, you know we know that. Um, there are probably cards out there that should, maybe somebody tried to alter and doctor and they got rejected. Um, so now those are floating around as, as raw cards. And so um, I, I think it's just a, it's a wider net um, that's being cast with this whole thing. And I don't know where it's going to wind up, but um, I think when all is said and done, it's going to be much bigger than it is now. I'd be shocked if it wasn't. Um, and I'd be surprised if this didn't wind up being, probably the biggest modern era scandal if there were scandals in the early days, but probably the biggest modern era yeah. uh, issue that, that has ever yeah. affected the hobby. Good. Good. I agree with that. You, you mentioned a little bit ago, uh, you, you mentioned a little bit ago, I mean, you know, you know, how, do, you know, how do you stop it? And you said, you know, technology, you know, at the third party greater level. I mean, you know, is that what the future of TPGs looks like to you is just, you know, paying more money but having more sophisticated things look at it, perhaps, you know, computers that know exact dimensions and in scanning for, you know, for color retouching, et cetera? Yeah, I would suspect so. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure, uh, you know, exactly what the process entails other than what we all read online of what a card goes through when it's graded um, and authenticated. But um, just that would be to me, you know, maybe maybe we take more of the human element out of it. I don't know. It's that'll be an issue for them to wrestle with. And, and they're probably already doing that. Um, they've had to adjust their holders based on the fact that you've got people yeah. that have been trying to tamper with them. In some cases they've succeeded. So that's why you've seen the changes in the holders, not just once, but yep. two, three, four times over the last 25 oh, yeah. years or so you've seen changes. And so, you know, it's, it's all part of the evolution. You know, they had to invent this stuff on the fly back in the early nineties. And like any other business, you know, they've got to make changes. They've got to make, make adjustments based on what is happening from the element that wants to get around those things and, and try to take advantage of, of it. So um, that would just be Good my point. guess. Um, maybe there are some other things that, that uh, they're doing or that, uh, you know, can be suggested from the, the hobby. You know, the, the collectors are really the greatest, focal point of all this anyway you know that's this whole thing is unraveled because of what a bunch of guys on a forum did you know and, and i shouldn't even say a bunch it was just a couple of guys really at the beginning of this that yeah. kind of identified some of this stuff so you know the collectors are always the backbone of it and collectors often can provide solutions and, and ideas for this thing so maybe some of that comes from the hobby as a whole but we'll have to see i you know i i think uh, you know it's it's got to change somehow um to prevent this because you know even though we've seen a few names associated with this you know it's not a stretch yeah. to say there are more people that are involved in it there are more yeah absolutely right exactly. but i mean if, if the price to grade a card goes up to you know seven dollars but you know you're a hundred percent sure you know or, or, or even more and no special maybe it's you know ten dollars with no specials you know what i mean um yeah. suddenly you're going to see a lot of these lower you know, you know, thinly collected sets, you know, 1988 tops football. I mean, you know, just suddenly it's, you can't afford to get it graded. I mean, yeah. you'll just yeah. see those yeah, go exactly. away. Exactly. Rich, you know. getting back to, getting back to collecting, do you have advice for a beginner? You broke up. You broke up there a little bit, Bob. What was that? I think he mentioned maybe some advice for beginning 
collectors. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And uh, what I would buy from beginning collectors. Yeah. 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 What What I would say, just what I always tell people, and and I get emails all the time from guys who used to collect and they're wanting to get back into it, or or they want to start a collection for their you know grandson or whatever. I, I would say first of all, just buy what you like, and I know that's that's kind of common yeah. advice, but uh, you know it's it's okay to seek advice with what you collect, but it's only fun if you enjoy it. You know, it, don't, don't feel the peer pressure to buy something just because someone else does, or somebody else tells you to collect that. If you like old football programs more than hot rookie cards, buy old football programs. Don't worry about what it's going to be worth in 20 years. You know, um, it, that shouldn't really be a, a, you know, a part of the conversation. Although if you do like the investment part of it, then learn all you can, you know, before you throw some yeah. money in it, just do, do reading, you know, read a lot of stuff, uh, whether it's our site or, on, you know, others, preferably read all of it, you know, try to digest it. You know, it's gotten to be a lot more complicated than it was, uh, you know, when we were all kids, but um, that's, yeah. that's just part of, of educating yourself. But, uh, and, and a lot of people say, you know, you should limit yourself to one area of collecting so it doesn't get overwhelming. And I guess there's some truth to that, but I don't, really subscribe to it myself my collection is is mostly vintage uh but i have stuff from baseball basketball and football i have a lot of card sets but i also have some old programs from important games yeah. you know, world series also games super Bowl. uncut sheets i'm not an autograph collector but that's what i've got on my wall um unique things that are kind of historically interesting that just kind of catch my attention that are hard to pass up the bottom line if it makes you happy that's what you should collect because like i said before it's it's supposed to be a hobby, something you enjoy yeah. doing when you're not working or yeah. sleeping or eating. So that's the best thing rule. I can tell people is just to um, have a good time with it, whatever you do. Rule one, rule one, collect what you love. Rule two, stay focused. Uh, subset to that, see rule one, collect what you love. Yeah. You know? <laughs> exactly, uh, exactly. That's funny. I collect uncut sheets as well. Uh, I've told Bob this many times. It seems like it's the one thing that can't be doctored. I mean, I used to collect yeah. wax, uh, unopened yeah. wax, and then I had a problem with that. Uh, at one point, we had a couple, two guests in a row that talked about the proliferation of just resealed wax, and, and one, one guy, you know, hypothesized that 50% of all wax, uh, you know, graded wax out there was resealed. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I went to, I, I literally sold every, you know, bit of wax I had, uh, and I had some, you know, BBCE, you know, uh, shrunk, you know, wax boxes, and I sold them, and the guy I consigned them to called me, and he goes, hey, Steve Hart just reached out to me and said these re these sealed wax boxes are fake. I'm like, what? I, so, I mean, there's people out there even taking wax boxes, came, you know, made their, made a sticker that looked like Steve Hart's, mm. you know, he shrunk, you know, the boxes, and then slapped a sticker on it. I'm like, oh, my gosh. All right, what do you do with a box that you think is, you know, and I'm like, Okay, and and that was probably yeah about twenty percent of the stuff that I sold that I thought was legit ended up being faked legit, and it was very frustrating. It was the kick in the some people need to be told that there are a lot easier ways to make money. (laughs) Yeah, like getting a job. It seems an awfully complicated uh, thing to you know sometimes when when people try to to be uh, clever criminals, it's just uh, you know boy, wouldn't you rather take your time and do something that's a little more honest than the money would be yeah. easier and you'd be able to sleep at night. <laughs> but what do you collect? You've mentioned you, you I mean, you, 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 you name dropped quite a few good sets. Plus you, uh, you got my eyebrows up when you said you had some uncut sheets too. What, what do you collect? 
Uh, I mean, most people go for the the big stars in football, like Steve Largent. But you know, I'm just curious. <laughs> um, well, I've you know I've been at this a long time, so I was kind of traditional in that I I wanted to collect the sets that I was too young to collect when I was growing up, and and so I my collection is mostly vintage baseball, football, and basketball cards um, sets. Huh. Um, don't really have any like duplicate stuff, but um, I, I have three big bookshelves here full of complete sets here in my office. And that's kind of my, my main, my main focus. I've kind of run out of room though. I've, I'm in a sort of a confined 15 by 10 space. So there's not much room on the walls anymore. So my, I've kind of done what I did in terms of uh, the sets I wanted to fill out. There's certainly more that I could like to have. I'd like to have a 52 tops baseball set or a 51 Bowman football. And I guess I could maybe squeeze those in here somewhere, but um, it's getting a little, getting a little tougher to, to do that. I've got, you mentioned uncut sheets. I've got some Kellogg's sheets, including some 1971 Kellogg's football. And your, uh, your yeah. audience certainly knows the, how cool those are. But um, the, the bad thing is they've been sitting in a box here because I bought them and I have no place to put them. There's literally no room on the wall to, to hang them up. So, uh, and the, and the thing to do is you, you want to yeah. get them framed. And I had one of those 1980 stop and go football uh, sheets that you, st- you saw in the oh, store yeah. when they were had that that 3D set, and I had an actual promotional cardboard poster that I just uh, got the, sent it in to have it framed. Uh, not sent it in, but I took it over to a local store to have it framed a couple days ago. But um, so I'm hoping to find some space for that somewhere. It's not real real big, um, but uh, yeah. The, the problem with the Kellogg sheets is that man they they will crack yeah. on you. And I bought these, yeah. these sheets oh, yeah. were beautiful. And, and all of a sudden I got, got them out the other day. And one of them already had a big, uh, big crack yeah. in the, in the bottom of a baseball that's, sheet from the seventies. That's definitely the downfall of uncut sheets. I, I have about, uh, you know, six or seven of them framed that hang on my wall. And then I just run out of room and I've, I've probably got yeah. about 150 of them that are, you know, laid, laid up in a, you know, in a, in a, you know, basement closet where I've, you know, got a piece of MDF plywood laid down and then another one that lays on top of it and a weight, you know, just keep them flat. So, yeah. Somebody needs to build yeah, it. They, and they they're, pro- they're probably out there. Somebody needs to build a display where you can kind of like thumb through them, you know, like just they're, where they're hanging up flat, straight, and then you just kind of take your finger and, like and move through them. And yep. see them yeah. 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 Like like poster poster shop. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, very cool. Well, well, it sounds like you, yeah. You, oh, sorry. Take it away, Bob. Okay, we're almost out of time, Rich. I truly appreciate you taking time out of your schedule for being on, and at the, and um, I wish you the best of luck continuing on with your sports collectors daily. We all enjoy it. Keep up the great work. Yeah. I'm sure we'll run into run into each other at the national. I'll be set up there. I'll see you around there. I and and I, just to put you on the spot real quick, do you think? There will be uh, any, uh, for lack of a better term, law, law enforcement issues at the National this year that we saw a few years back with those uniforms and jerseys that were apparently fake. Yeah, and last year we had a dealer kicked off the floor for uh, allegedly selling fake autographs, and so I, yeah. it would not surprise yeah. me. I, You know, I don't have any inside knowledge, but it wouldn't surprise me. They tend to like to make a splash. Um, we've seen the FBI and the postal inspector come into the floor and, and, you know, escort people off uh, in front of a very large audience of collectors. And so 
Um, it wouldn't surprise me. I, you know, the FBI is there every year, even if they're not making any kind of arrests. They're there asking questions and talking to people yeah, and kind yeah. of keeping their eyes and, and pulse on the finger of what's going on here. So it wouldn't surprise me, but, uh, yeah, it should be interesting. We'll see when it uh, all shakes out. It's not that far away. That's true. All right, Rich, thank you for being on. We Rich. appreciate it. And, again, check out, if you don't, Sports Collectors Daily on the web. Great information, great articles, and the voice for the hobby for information, news, and the happenings going on. Rich, thanks for being on. And Rich, hey, thanks for having Rich, me, guys. Very and, much. Uh, good luck with the show. Appreciate it very much. Okay. Thanks for your time. Okay. Really appreciate it. Rich Mueller, hmm. the editor and founder of Sports Collectors Daily. Joe, we almost got, you know, got only about two minutes left. And we're yeah. going to go into our warning and wrap up. What do you think today? What a nice guy. Uh, you just, uh, you know, I mean, every time we talk to a Pittsburgh Steeler fan and I just, you know, and I can hear their knuckles dragging, it kind of, you know, <laughs> makes me shake my head at the hobby. And then, it, you know, and then Rich comes on and he's just, you know, he's just, he's just on. It was just, it was very enjoyable. Yeah. I, uh, I, I truly enjoy Sports Collectors Daily. I know I, I've been uh, my rapper collection was featured in a couple of articles over the years on that, and then I think in another article I was quoted on something over the years. And uh, I, I, like I said to him, I, I truly enjoy reading the articles on the uh, the hobbyists that they interview and about collections and so on and so forth. And uh, but unfortunately, the news lately has been pretty peppered with this. Uh, dramatic issue with grading and the problems with the grading and i don't know i you know it is a hobby i I don't know how it ever turned into you know a um a debacle with regards to this graded cards fake autographs you know you name it and i i think it's very true there are a lot of different ways to make money other than doing it by falsifying and ruining a hobby and that's really what you know, in essence, what's happening, and it's not a good situation in any way, shape, or form. You know, it's it's, it's unbelievable. In my opinion. all right, we're down. Uh, yeah. got about a minute left, and again, uh, we'll be on with. Uh, we got a, a very special guest coming up, which we're working on uh, time and date, and then the show after that. And I'm gonna, I'm just gonna announce it right now. Will be our hundredth podcast that we have done. For Gridiron Greats, the podcast, and it's been a, an incredible ride, uh, interviewing many, many different people, many, many different areas of the hobby. Uh, just in, in great enjoyment. I, I, thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoy this uh, very brief sixty minutes that we have talking about our hobby twice a month. It's, it's just great. It's a, Always. And Joe, Joe, I appreciate you being my co-host. You are uh, truly a uh, expert in several different areas of our hobby, and you do have a very, very strong knowledge and presence in the hobby, and I appreciate you being my co-host at the same time. Uh, All right, coming from you, Captain, that is an honor. Check out our website, gridirongreatsmagazine.com. If you're not a subscriber, please subscribe. And uh, our national issue will be coming out in a few weeks. And that's it for tonight. Thanks for listening.